Join us every Friday for encouragement, freedom, and biblical truth. Grab your coffee or grab your tea. It's going to be a good one. I actually think, hold on. No, I thought I added it, but I didn't. Never mind. I thought I added the whole, um, whatchamacallit, Miss Doubtfire. Hello. I did not. Guess it's really not that important. All right. So we've got uh, a few people here in the chat tonight. So I'm going to say hello really quick uh, while my guest awaits in our fictitious green room. That would be his own green room. Uh, so hello, Terry. I've got uh, my beautiful best friend, Carly, is in the house. Hello, Carly. And of course, my other beautiful best friend, Sandra, is there behind the wall. So hello, Sandra, to you too, because I just saw you. So hello again. Um, so Carly, uh, I love chatting with her. She always makes me laugh. So I appreciate it. We had great conversation before <laughs> I came on. So I appreciate it. Hello, Miss Mindy. Hello. I hope we're flying soon. That would be awesome. I really do. So let me scroll down. We've got Jen is in the house. I love how that shows that hand pink wavy. <laughs> Face red heart. Okay, that's great. Hello, Miss Val. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. We've got Miss Linda is in the house. Um, I'm scrolling super fast. We got my other moderator, Miss Jamie, who's coming on to give her life clip in two weeks. So if you all want to give her a round of applause in the chat, um, it's going to be a fantastical, amazing, nothing but Jesus life clip. And I'm so excited. Um, hello, just Vicky. I am so glad you are tuning in. Patty A. Yes, you made it in for a live and I'm so happy to see you. This is great. So I feel like um, that. Oh, we got another person here. We got Jay. Hello. Hello. Um, I don't get that many people here in the live. So Scott, are you okay if I say hello to a few more folks? Are you good? Uh, we got Marie is in the house. So hello to you. Uh, Sir Pierce the Veil, my other mod. Hello, brother. Nice to see you. We got Miss Tina is in the house. Oh, my sweet Bonita. Hello. Hello. Tiffany. Hello. And uh, that is it. So whoever else is in the uh, stream here tonight that's not in the chat. I do want to say hello to each and every one of you. As always, um, please go ahead and hit that little button that's called a subscribe button. That would be great. Um, only if you want to. And I'm sure you'll leave me in about a week. So it's fine. But you can love me for tonight and then hate me in a week. Um, also, hit the little like button now if you don't mind. That'd be great. Uh, share. Sure. That's great. What else? Oh, and turn on your notification bell. Uh, I think that's really it because we have a lot to dive into tonight. Um, Scott is willing to be here for seven hours if need be or, or, or come back next week for a part two because we don't want to rush through this, guys. This, this is a really big, as you can see by the title, it's, it's a lot to go into. Are we speaking in tongues? What is tongues? I don't know. That's why I have a guest here. He's going to teach us through the word of God. 
Um, but anyway, that's it. So I felt this mug this week. Oh, no, I did not. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. So remember when Pippa, my beautiful sister in Australia, excuse me, not New Zealand. So remember how she sent me this little package. So I had this sweater that she hand knitted, but I had it at my job. And I want to show it because, guys, I get more compliments on this thing. It's a beautiful, like, baby's breath pink. And then it's got these. This is what we do as girls, Scott. Then it's got these amazing colors that run through it. It's got a little, she calls it something else. I call it a sweater. (laughs) So I don't know what they call it in Australia. But I still can't remember. So my apologies, Pippa. Oh, my gosh. I see Dale is in the house. And I see Yvette. Hello, guys. So this is this beautiful, look at this. So this is this thing that she handcrafted, a hoodie and everything. This thing is so cozy. So she makes all of this stuff for like babies and stuff. So that's it. Okay. So I needed to show that off because I didn't have it the last time and um, I brought it home. So I'm just going to throw this back here on my couch. Um. Okay, so I see a few new people. I wish I can say hello to you, but I have a, a guest waiting. I need to introduce my mug. We have a lot to dive into. Um, so, Sandra, I would like to introduce this week's mug. I've used this before, but a long time ago, probably maybe eight or nine months ago. Uh, this was a gift given by a um, a listener, and it's it's a really fun mug. So I have to read it first because it, it's the saying is only on one side. So the saying the mug says, "Ufta." It's it's a Norwegian term, and it's a an expression of bafflement surprise, relief, exhaustion, dismay, disappointment, or a sudden shock to the senses. That kind of stuck with me tonight because I think some of us might have a sudden shock to our senses tonight. And then UFTA is also a uh, a marker of Scandinavian heritage. So this mug again was gifted to me by uh, my friend Nancy and uh, a while ago. Oh, look at all. You can see all my stars back there. But anyway, there you go. That's the mug. So with that being said, I think you said you were going to bring in Scott, right? So let's go ahead and bring in Scott while we talk about this UFTA stuff. And well, hello there. Well, hi, Kim. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? I am good. So are you ready to, not right now, because we want to have people know who you are. Um, Are you ready to dive into tonight's topic? I'm ready. I, I liked what you had there. My my son actually knows how to knit. He learned when he was oh, not three the years the old. Sweater. The what? sweater. Are you cool. serious? Yeah. He's not as good as that, but you know, it's kind of wow. cool that he knows how to do that. Absolutely. It will come in handy when you guys get old and you need clothes. <laughs> yes, this is true. <laughs> he can knit mommy and daddy some clothes. Be like, hey, <laughs> while you were in the nursing home. Well, hopefully by then we'll be raptured, but you just never know. Be nice. I know. There goes everyone in the live stream. So, um, <laughs> well, who <Hopefully>. are you? <laughs> <'Cause> I, 
<laughs> I uh yeah, who are you? People are probably uh, like, who was this guy? He's I've just, never seen him on Prophecy Watchers. So I'm, who are you? I'm just some guy that sent you an email uh mm-hmm. I don't know, a month ago, two months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh after watching uh Dawn, I believe her name was from the Love Sip Love Sick Love Sick Scribe. Mm-hmm. I do. Uh, explain her her situation and and uh, how she came out of that particular movement by um, get this by studying the Word of God and seeing what it had to say for herself instead of listening to other people. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a great concept? It is. And, if everybody would follow it, <laughs> and and she came to uh, very good conclusions by doing that. So um, I've been a believer for I don't know. Some 30 years or so, 32 mm-hmm. years, I've lost track. Um, never been to church really in my life before I became a believer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went, I remember once going when I was in grade school and it was some kind of probably supposed to be some sort of rapture tribulation movie. Uh, had nightmares for weeks. I'm pretty sure I never heard the gospel. No way. I never went back to church after that. Um, other than that, my experience with Christians were, you know, the occasional person on the beach. I was born in Huntington Beach. The occasional mm. person on the beach telling me I had to repent of my sins. Mm. Um, but when you've never read the Bible before, that's not real effective because I don't really know what a sin was. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until I came across somebody that I asked him why he was so happy, why his life was so stable. And he said, you really want to know? I said, yeah. And um, he explained to me that Jesus Christ is God, something that no one has had ever told me before up to this point, um, including the Christians in my life or so-called Christians. Uh, That was very upsetting to me. Um, Did some research and um, came to the conclusion that it's true, uh, which I wasn't particularly happy about. Hmm. Um, but make a long story short, ended up placing my faith in Christ, had to do some research to really understand that the Bible is the word of God. Um, back then this would be early nineties. Uh, people like Josh McDowell were instrumental in that. Uh, Norman Geisler, uh, wrote some great apologetics books, went through all of those very quickly. Um, because of the people I was around, I, I had to be prepared. And um, once I realized that the Bible was the word of God and that Jesus Christ was God, um, there was no turning back. Mm. So It's my story in a nutshell. It's much longer than that, but a lot of interesting circumstances uh, around that because uh, I was searching for truth of the time. Mm-hmm. I know that when somebody sincerely wants to know the truth, uh, it will be presented to them. That mm-hmm. is obligation. So I studied that. Um, Studied at uh, Dennis Roxer's Grace Institute of Biblical Studies. I studied there for two years uh, when he was at Duluth Bible Church. I know he's recently moved to Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Stiegel currently runs that program, who is a, a wonderful man. Um, take cla- I take classes at Schaefer Theological Seminary. Uh, Andy Woods is the, is the president of that school. Um, Great school, been a great experience. Currently studying Greek and and some research. I've taken some history classes there. Uh, so I just try to study as much as I can. Uh, 
teach a Bible study on the weekend to a very small group of people. Um, that's, that's, it. that's me in a nutshell. Well, I appreciate you being here. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty excited because normally I just have, um, you know, our circle people on or I'm solo and just to have, I mean, you're here. And then in January, I've got another, um, gentleman that no one's heard of. Um, and again, I, I don't say that in a rude way. It, it's, it's not that you're unknown. We're known in Christ's eyes. I'm unknown. Right. So, um, but as far as we're, we're not these big, I'm not Jan Markell, you know what I mean? So, um, but we're just plugging away, um, to be biblically sound and accurate. And, uh, in these last days, you know, I think a lot of people are going in a completely different direction with their feelings and their flesh and their emotions instead of the word of God. And I like a lot of questions would be answered if they would just stop, pause, crack open the Bible and see what God has to say. And even though I have a YouTube channel, I still mean this. Don't come to my channel to find out. Go to the Bible. So, but we know people don't do that. So here we are with the YouTube platform. And why am I holding my phone? Because I wanted to grab my notes. Because if I don't grab my notes, well, I tend to lose my train of thought. Um, so you come with a lot of, I just didn't want someone to think, uh, well, you know, guys, not a pastor, guys. It's, well, you come back with a lot of education behind you. And I know that by the slide that we're going to go over um, somewhat tonight, uh, a lot of information that you gave, a lot of things that I was like, huh, I did not even know that myself. So I really appreciate, first and foremost, Scott, the hard work that you put into this topic. And as we are going to go through the duration of this podcast tonight, guys, we need to come from a place of truth and love. So some parts of this podcast may upset some people because you've felt like, well, no, this has happened to me and I'm adamant that it has. And I don't want to, and I'm sure Scott, I don't want to speak on your behalf. I don't want to take away your experience, but we also have to line those experiences up with the Bible. That's just key. Um, so with that being said, Sandra is going to start starring questions. Our topic tonight, let me put this up on here. Our topic tonight is timeout. Are they speaking in tongues? So throughout the duration of this podcast, Sandra will star your question. Scott has graciously said, if a question comes up, he'll go ahead and answer it. So just give us a moment to fin our, finish our train of thought. Sandra will put the question up. And we'll go from there. It has to be on topic, though, um, tonight. And I'm, I'm sure we will have enough questions for that. So, um, but anyway, so let me slide over here. And our topics for today that we're going to be diving into, or he's going to be diving into, I'm going to be listening and also interjecting. We're going to define tongues. Again, this is not what Scott's opinion is. This is this is going to be heavy in the Bible. So if you don't want to have the Bible tonight, you uh, might want to jump off YouTube. So um, I'm also going to be sharing my screen. So we'll have Bible. We're just going to try to keep you guys engaged as much as we can. So we're going to define tongues, the two usages of tongues, the purpose of tongues. And then last but not least, if we have time, if not, we can always carry on to next week. Tongues as a prayer language. So let me take that off the screen. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just clicking buttons because that's what I do. Um, so, Scott, the floor is yours. How would you like to start this? 
Um, yeah, let's talk a little background about how how this study came about. Um, very on in my Christian life after I got saved, um, we started attending a church, um, and they spoke in tongues. Um, they had a, a tongues night, allegedly, uh, that I never attended. Um, studying under some very good pastors. Uh, I've had a chance to study under some very good pastors over the years, which has been tremendously helpful. Uh, they teach out of the original languages, and they study verse by verse through the Bible. The nice thing about studying verse by verse through the Bible is you you can't cherry pick verses, right? It's one of the dangers of a study like this, and that's one of the reasons why uh, when I did have a chance to teach this in a charismatic church, it was a very detailed study because we mm-hmm. don't want to be taking passages out of context if we can at all avoid it, right? So um, we knew the youth pastor at this church, um, got to know him pretty quickly. Uh, we were obviously there, there every time the Bible was being taught. And my buddy and I, he was instrumental in me being saved. We actually moved to Georgia together. Um, we basically were of the opinion of if we're supposed to be speaking in tongues, then then that's what we'll do. Um, it seemed kind of strange to me, but that's okay. I'm, I'm new to all this anyways, right? The whole thing is strange. <laughs> Jesus Christ being the God of the universe was still strange to me at this time. Um, so we did a quick study and we presented it to the pastor. Um, what we, we didn't know much, right? We knew that tongues was um, a miraculous sign gift via Acts chapter 2. Uh, we knew that tongues was fulfillment of prophecy uh, via Acts, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, and we knew that at some point tongues would cease, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 8. It's basically all we knew. Presented to the pastor, we're prepared to get straightened out, you know, show us where we've gone wrong. And to our surprise, he said, you're not wrong. Really had no no defense. Um, so he liked the church. The church had been good to him. And he was willing to compromise on this point. Um, we obviously were not. So we moved on. Uh, when this came back up, you know, more recently, I mean, tongues is growing, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, back in the early 90s, you probably were in the majority if you believed that tongues ceased. Right, especially you know amongst Protestant Christians. Uh, today, I'm sure you're in the minority. So there's been a huge shift, and and, and the question is why, right? So mm. to answer this question, I didn't look at the history. Um, there's a lot of great history out there to be to be looked at. Uh, I did watch the movie Cessationist a few weeks ago. Uh, it was a good movie. A couple of minor quips with it, but. Um, they covered the history very well. For my purposes, uh, I kept it strictly biblical because where history contradicts the Bible, history is wrong, right? So trying to use history to justify your biblical position, while it can be educational, it can be helpful, um, it can't help you come to the correct conclusion. So that's that's how I came about this study and uh, a detailed study I went into. Mm. 
So let me, I'm going to put this PowerPoint back up and um, I'm going to, let me go back to these um, key points here. So do you want to go through these really quick just to kind of start off? So people, yeah. because again, this is such a hotly debated topic, right? And I'm sure yeah. there's people even within this chat who either feel like they have the gift of tongues, they have a prayer language. And mm-hmm. so I do want to tread I don't want to say lightly because anyone who knows me knows that I don't tread lightly. I want to be biblical. And I think that's why I'm so excited to have you here is because I know it's going to come from a biblical place. So let's go over these key points real quick. um, And then I'm looking down at the slide. So I know when to change to the next one. And then uh, from there, we'll kind of jump in, I guess, to the first um, topic at hand, which would be, um, the defining of the tongues, right? So just give them a basic, you know, overhaul of that. So yeah. And, and definitely be, before we start, um, everybody has to realize that, you know, we are individually responsible for the doctrines that we believe, the doctrines that we apply to our lives. Mm, uh, commentaries a, can be a great help. Yeah, pastors can be one. a wonderful help. Um, mm. You know, pastors are there to help you learn, but ultimately we all answer for the doctrine in our soul. Mm-hmm. And we are responsible. And that's why we're going to take a biblical approach and, and we're going to go through this point by point. And if you come to a different conclusion, uh, that's between you and the Lord. So let's start from the top. Um, again, this can be a divisive topic, right? We're not here to divide. Uh, we're here to look at what the Bible has to say about this topic. This is not a, a matter of salvation. Uh, faith in Christ is how you're saved not speaking in tongues or not, not speaking in tongues, right? Faith in Christ is how you're saved. This is a matter of proper function. Is this something we should be doing today? Is this edifying the Lord? Is this an appropriate use of our time as Christians? Um, so that's an important caveat we need to keep in mind. We're not here to win arguments. Um, we're not here to further divide the already very divided body of Christ, which is not mm-hmm. a good thing. Uh, we're here to look at the word of God. So this word tongue, it's actually used uh, two ways in the Bible. Um, it's it's the Greek word glosa. It's used about 54 times um, in the Greek of the New Testament. Uh, it has two usages. It's used as an organ of speech, or it can be used as a literal tongue. We can look at a, a couple of examples. Um, it's always in reference to a known language. And we'll go into detail into why that's the case as well. Um, this, mirac- this miraculous sign gift, is which, which is what it was, uh, was given at Pentecost. And it was assigned to the Jews primarily. Uh, we see an additional uh, use towards Acts chapter 10, uh, where the Gentiles are speaking in tongues as well. Uh, but that follows the transition of the book of Acts as, as we move from you know, a Jewish oriented church to the fact that the Gentiles are being brought into it. And that was one of the ways that God showed the Jews that yes, the Gentiles are now part of the church. Uh, Peter had his very critical vision as well. Uh, you know, where he was told to eat, right. Eat all of these mm-hmm. unclean animals. And he said, no Lord. And what happened right after that vision, he was told to go speak to a Gentile. And he said, I now understand what you were trying to tell me. Right, that that the Gentiles are being brought into God's plan. Um, remember, the New Testament didn't exist at this time; it was being mm-hmm. written. How do we know these things today? 
before we have the completed canon of scripture. The thing we need to know to proper function to, to function properly has been laid out for us in the scriptures. So tongues were a sign, mm-hmm. and when spoken, the content was communicated in the wonderful works of God to strangers from afar, primarily Jews. Now, this phrase wonderful works of God is important, right? They may or may not have been hearing the gospel, but they were because it was fulfillment of prophecy, they were hearing Bible doctrine. We know that tongues is not a gift that every believer is supposed to exercise. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12 goes into this um, in detail. Paul gives a lot of analogies about body parts and that the fact that every body part is important, mm-hmm. even the ones that can't be seen. So he makes that point very clear in First Corinthians 12. As prophesied by Isaiah, uh, this gift was a warning sign to unbelieving Jews that judgment was imminent. Um, now, we're going to take a look at this passage, and you may look at it and say, well, how could you possibly conclude that uh, you know, this is referring to the sign gift of tongues? Well, I didn't come to that conclusion. Paul did. And he <laughs> explains it to us in 1 Corinthians 14, 20. I can assure you um, I would have never drawn that connection. And that's why Paul, uh, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, tells us uh, what Isaiah twenty eleven actually meant. And he tells us that tongues are for a sign. And they're for a sign for unbelievers, not believers. Remember, Paul tells us that he'd rather speak, you know, five words that could be understood in the church than 10,000 in a tongue. Mm-hmm. Because tongues were not designed for believers. Mm-hmm. Prophecy was. We'll get into that. The Bible makes no reference to unknown tongues. And... We're going to take a look at this in, in 1 Corinthians 14. Um, this is probably pretty controversial. <laughs> and I know the KJV-only people um, you know, might, might uh, take issue with this. Um, but even in the KJV, if you look at that word unknown, it's in italics. That word is not present in the Greek. You won't find it in the New King James Version, the NIV, the NASB, uh, I think we looked at the ESV before this show started. It wasn't there mm-hmm. either. Um, so that word unknown was inserted by the translators. Uh, and we have to keep in mind that, you know, the KJV is is a fine translation. I read mm-hmm. it. I refer to it in my studies. Um, it is not the word of God. Right. It's, a tra- it's a translation. Right. You mean Jesus didn't open the KJV on his Sermon on the Mount? Because that's how they all took that. <laughs> like, wait, hold on. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Yes, that is correct. Um, again, I have no problem with the King James Version, <laughs> um, but it is a translation. And it's it's a fairly good literal translation. You know, And one of the things that can be very helpful if if you don't know Greek and Hebrew is to compare various English translations uh, to see what the different words that are being used. So next point is that this gift was exercised in the early church. Now it continued for a period of time until it ceased, right? Now, first mm-hmm. Corinthians 13, eight through 12, I believe it is key passage. And I certainly acknowledge there's difficulties um, you know, on both sides with this passage. Um, there are passages in the scripture that are that are difficult. Uh, this is one of them. 
so we're going to take a, a close look at that passage. It's very important. And the examples that follow are going to be important as well. Now, this gift, this miraculous sign gift of tongues, is really described uh, primarily in the book of Acts in terms of fulfillment of prophecy. It's only described in two places. It's described in chapter 2, and I believe it's described in chapter 10. There may be a, a one reference in chapter 12, but the book of Acts is not about speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book of Acts is about the formation of the church. Amen. And during the formation of the church, we had some fulfillment of prophecy. Um, you know, this is very important to keep in mind overall in our Bible study, right? When we're reading even the Gospels, uh, the Gospels are not about the church. That is the time of Israel. And that transition doesn't take place until Luke describes it for us in the book of Acts. Uh, the book of Acts is a critical book with all kinds of wonderful information. Uh, so we need to keep that in mind. Um, tongues was exercised in the book of Acts uh, for a specific reason, which we'll see. So those who speak in tongues today, they primarily use Acts in 1 Corinthians to justify the use of the gift and how it should function. Now, if you look at the distribution of this word over the New Testament, it's really with respect to this um, sign gift, it's really only used in Acts and 1 Corinthians. We'll, we'll see some examples. It's used usually as a, in a literal sense, um, or it's used to refer to languages like we see a lot in the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation, is, uh, if you look at a more literal translation, it'll say, you know, uh, tongues from every nation, right? Referring to languages from, from all over the world. And the other thing we have to keep in mind about the book of 1 Corinthians is uh, it's not... The book of 1 Corinthians generally isn't where people turn to, to learn how a church is supposed to function um, because the church of Corinth was malfunctioning. Paul is correcting this church. Uh, Paul is encouraging them to function properly. Paul is encouraging them to grow in the word. Right? 1 Corinthians 3.1 is a great example. Maybe we'll take a look at it in a few minutes to give us a feel for what's actually happening in the book of 1 Corinthians. Mm-hmm. Um, there is one possible prophetic reference to this gift in Mark 16, 15 through 17. It's not real relevant, um, I don't believe. If someone thinks it is, then, then please jump in. But uh, the reason is we have a, a lot of things happening in that passage, including uh, being bitten by snakes and drinking poison. Uh, so mm-hmm. if somebody wants to use that passage to justify speaking in tongues, um, you kind of have to take that as a whole. Uh, so. I don't, I don't really go over that in my study because um, that passage pertains to a specific people in a specific time. Correct. And I always found this uh, topic fascinating, Scott, because it, the, tongues is like, as far as what we're seeing in some of these churches today, it, the scriptures are so limited on that. And it just seems like it's this big bubble that we're living in yeah. um, where that was the sole focus. So they're only taking these, you know, very few verses and they're just basing a whole, literally in some cases, a theology on that. Um, or believe it or not, in a, I think a couple of weeks, I'm doing an RLE with, um, it's already been done. It's uploaded. Cause you know, I, I pre-edit all this stuff, but um, with uh, Vladimir Subchek, whatever his name is, the deliverance guy who has to teach people how to speak in tongues. Cause clearly we see that in the Bible. Well, no, it's it's a great point, Kim. I mean, 
generally um, your gifts, and, and this is covered in First Corinthians, because 12 through 14 is really about spirituality, mm-hmm. of which, you know, spiritual gifts are an important part of that, but so is love. Mm-hmm. And that's why in between these two um, chapters on spiritual gifts, you have that love chapter in there in between. Paul's making a point about that. Love is the key to spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, and no spiritual gift can function properly without love and in its proper context. And one of the points Paul makes is that your gifts are given to you by God. So yeah, you don't have to go learn them. They are your gift from God. Absolutely. So let me put that slide back up and let's go. Um, I knew I had the wrong presentation up. So there we go. Um, not the wrong, my wrong camera angle. So tongues defined. So let's go into that real quick and, and, um, kind of broach that topic here tonight, because that's a lot to take in. And I'm reading some of the comments here in the chat. That's why I keep looking over. Um, cause I, I kind of wanted to see what our listeners were saying. Um, but before we do that, so hold on one second, someone had posted somewhat of a question and I, I don't want to get totally off topic. So just be honest with me, Scott, when someone's talking about first Corinthians 13, 10, are you going to be talking about that verse? Because to me, I, I don't see where tongues is really in that. So, but if you are going to talk about it, can we like, I have questions pertaining to that. So do you want to be like, Hey, let me get those questions or dive in and then do the, how do you want to do that? Yeah, I'm just checking here. Yeah. I mean, first Corinthians. So I mentioned first Corinthians, uh, Thirteen, eight through twelve, right? Mm-hmm. And so, this is a key passage um, because this is talking about when tongues will cease, right? Okay, so let's put up her questions real quick then. So these are coming in from SB. So, and I always have to read them for podcast purposes. So SB is saying, "Tell me your version of First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse ten. What is the quote perfect end quote shall come? Is it not the canon?" Is it not, is it the second coming of Christ to establish his kingdom? Part two of her question is, otherwise knowledge has already ceased. Are prophecies now being fulfilled or should we stop watching? And then here is where she quotes the scripture verse. But that, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. Yep. So let's take a look at uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 13.8. I'm going to read from the, the New King James Version. Okay. Do you want I to bring it up on the screen? Yeah. So you said it's 1 Corinthians, what was the 8, we'll right? It. We'll no. 13.8. 13, 13, okay. All right. So I have, um, you know, I do NASB. So let's keep that up. Uh, I don't, I'm talking. Is this the right one? Is this 13? Uh, no, because I'm like, yeah, what does a bugle have yeah, to do with it. any of this? Yeah, well, there you, you go. Yeah, 13. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, there we go. Um, yeah, let's just read 13, 8 through 12. So I'll, I'll read it. I mean, if we want to jump into this now, if we want to cover some more background information, we can. But if, if this is where people want to go, we can we can jump right into this. Right? I mean, when I teach a Bible study, it's obviously very systematic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we start from the beginning. 
we go through it point by point. But I have no problem starting here because my group is I'm, not systematic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing that um, this is this is what people want to go over. So let's start at verse eight. Let's read through okay. it. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. So we're in chapter 13. The topic is love. One of the problems that the Church of Corinth has is malfunctioned with spiritual gifts. So the point Paul is making leading up to this is, look, you know, these spiritual gifts are very important, but without love, they don't do any good. Um, Paul says in verse 3, right, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, Though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So Paul didn't necessarily do all these things, right? We know he didn't deliver his body to be burned, but he's saying, look, if I did, even if I did all of these things without love, they're of no use Mm. because a spiritual gift has to function in love. So when we lead into verse 8, what he's saying is love never fails, right? Chapter 13 is the love chapter. But prophecy will, right? Tongues will, and knowledge will. Now, we actually have three different words uh, being used here, right? So we have love never fails, prophecies will fail, and tongues will cease, and knowledge will vanish away. Okay, so... For the purpose of this study, so we don't have to go into too, too much detail here, uh, and I've got some some links to uh, some articles by Andy Woods that are very good. He goes into more detail. But the real question we're trying to answer is, do these gifts function today? Right. So whether they ceased in AD 70 or they faded away or they ceased at the complete uh, when the canon of Scripture was completed, we won't go into that. But the real question is, do they function today? And we know that when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. There's the key part of the verse. We're going to come back to that in a second, but let's just keep looking at the context. We're then given two examples, right? So he's going to give two examples to illustrate this point. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So what do we see here in this passage? We see a transition of a child becoming a man. And when a child becomes a man, is he something completely new? No. He's still the same person, but he's maturing. Now, one of the things we're going to see is that Greek word for perfect is the Greek word teleos. And one of the uh, lexical, a lexicon is just a Greek dictionary. One of the lexical defini- definitions for that word is mature. 
And it's translated to mature in other places in the Bible, including the book of 1 Corinthians. So what Paul is doing here is he's giving us an illustration of how these things are going to cease. Right? So remember, we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. So again, we're seeing a transition. And Paul is giving us two illustrations of this transition. The next illustration he gives us is in verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I also am known. So we have two illustrations of where he's going with this, right? Mm-hmm. So let me just pull up the, uh, we're going to start with the definition of teleos, and I'm going to have to jump in my notes, so bear with me. I wasn't sure what, what direction we were going here. Let's take a quick break. Everyone is podcasting these days. If this is something you want to do, or you're already doing it, I would recommend using Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout has tons of guides to help you find the right equipment at the right price. I currently use the Blue Yeti. Buzzsprout is an extremely user-friendly platform, and I could not be happier with their services. There are so many things that this site allows you to do. From your show being listed on every major podcast platform to the audio player that you can use seamlessly on your websites to the detailed analytics of what we, come on guys, the podcasters want to see. Don't lie. I know you look at that too. We want to know who was listening, where they're listening, how long they're listening. There are zero hassles because Buzzsprout provides these tools and more to help promote our podcasts. Fellow podcasters, do we not work hard? Well, I am here to tell you that Buzzsprout works even harder to make our podcasts stream streamlessly. Yes, I know that's not a word. If you want to join a company that already has over 100,000 podcasters, click the link and let Buzzsprout know that we sent you. This will get you a $20 credit if you sign up for a paid plan. And in addition, of course, it'll help support our show. Don't delay. Start Buzzsprouting today. You're fine. Because, yeah, I saw her uh, question and I just wasn't sure um, if it really did pertain because I had private chat at Sandra. I wasn't sure if that was like part of what you were going to be discussing tonight. I've I've heard the verse before. I always thought it was our glorified bodies, but. Yeah, that's so. So really, the, the two most common interpretations are uh, the completed canon of Scripture mm-hmm. and then uh, the return of Christ. Right. And then mm-hmm. there's some variations on the return of Christ, the millennial kingdom or eternity, mm-hmm. et cetera. So these are the two most common interpretations. Now let's let's see which one makes the most sense. So in these verses, um, Paul's moving between the present and the future, right? Mm-hmm. So in the future, prophecy will fail. In the future, tongues will cease. And in the future, knowledge will vanish away. Those are all future tense. What do we have in the present? In the present, we know in part. In the present, we prophesy in part. 
And then we jump back to the future when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away. Now, the important thing about these three gifts is that they're all communication gifts, right? Mm, and yeah, this is one point. of the reasons, you know, why if you're going to speak in tongues, um, you have to follow the guidelines of chapter 14, right? Really 12 through 14, because mm-hmm. that's the only place this is really discussed. When you get into the epistles, when you get into, you know, how the church is to be structured, um, tongues is never mentioned again, as we looked at in the overview. So our word teleos um, uh, basically pertains to that which is fully accomplished or finished, complete, right? So complete is another another good uh, translation for our word here. And so we have the concept of the incomplete is to be replaced by that which is perfect or complete. And we're given the idea of a transition from one thing to another. So what we have is spiritual gifts that are used to communicate, which is why uh, women are forbidden to speak in tongues. Right. So if you're really going to follow the guidelines in in 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul says women are to remain silent in the church. That's in 1 Corinthians 14. Now, there's only a couple of ways you can interpret that. And remember, in just a couple of verses down, Paul makes it clear that this is not his opinion. These are the commands of the Lord, right? Because Paul did give his opinion in some places in 1 Corinthians, um, mm-hmm. now, re- referring to marriage, uh, saying that everyone, he wishes everyone could be like him uh, because he clearly had the gift of celibacy, right? So, Either women can't walk into a church and say, hi, how you doing? Good morning. Uh, or they're not supposed to be communicating Bible doctrine. And that's what these that's what these gifts were used for, right? So before we had the completed canon of scripture, uh, God was revealing to people so that they could function properly in the time in which they lived. And as the, perf- as the person was prophesying, what was the congregation told to do? Compare everything they said to the scriptures. These are obviously the Old Testament scriptures that were being expanded upon, but you know, even when these people were prophesying, they could not contradict the Bible ever. Mm-hmm. Right? So we have this transition being introduced, and we know that that which is incomplete is going to be replaced with that which is perfect or complete. So this idea of transition is very important. And during the time when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, um, this is a quote from Andy Woods, actually. Uh, the church was the, the church was without the benefit of the completed New Testament canon, and thus without a body of truth to base its decisions upon. Therefore, divine guidance was provided through the vehicle of the revelatory gifts of prophecy, knowledge, and tongues. And that's why Paul says prophecy is for believers. Tongues are assigned for unbelievers, but prophecy is for believers. Now, when this transition is complete, then these gifts will no longer be necessary because once we have the completed canon of scripture, we don't need prophets. We don't need miraculous sign gifts. These things cease. That's not to say that God doesn't perform miracles today. He absolutely does, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it can't be done by somebody slaying you in the spirit and knocking you over. Right. Right. Um, We look at the miracles in the Bible and they're actual miracles. You have, you know, I think my favorite one, I think it's in the book of John, 
uh, when the paralyzed man is lowered through the roof, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing faith, right? Mm -hmm. What does Jesus Absolutely. say to him? He says, your if sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Mm -hmm. At that point, the guy's saved. He's ecstatic, right? But what does Jesus say next? You know, in order to, I'm, I don't have it in front of me, I'm paraphrasing, but basically in order to prove to you that I'm the son of man, I say to you, get up and walk. Hmm. This man who's been paralyzed, his bones or his muscles are completely atrophied, gets up and immediately starts walking. That's a miracle. Mm -hmm. The purpose of that miracle was not to heal that man, right? If, if the purpose of miracles was to heal people, then God failed. Mm. Um, obviously the people who were healed were very thankful right but the purpose of that miracle was for jesus christ to demonstrate who he was amen and that's how we know and uh, you know i give you my story about being an unbeliever it's one of the ways i knew that jesus christ was god these are eyewitness accounts they're not refuted right mm -hmm. so we have fulfillment of prophecy which tells us the bible is a unique book and unbelievers cannot refute fulfillment of prophecy. And we have miracles that were witnessed, eyewitness accounts, people blind from birth, people crippled from birth, immediately being healed and jumping up and glorifying God. Now, compare that to what you see on TV today. All I ask you to do is look at this through the lens of Bible doctrine and, and compare what you see to what the Bible says. Now, why don't we need, so do we need miracles today? Absolutely. God can perform miracles whenever he needs to. Uh, we've seen countless examples of that, but we don't need him performing them through specific people. Those were sign gifts to demonstrate that these people had authority, right? When Paul mm -hmm. is bitten by the viper in the book of Acts, or I don't know, it was some kind of poison to snake. Maybe it was a viper. I can't remember. I don't said, think oh, it says, right? I don't know he, if it says it was just he was by the fire and yeah, he got something came out. Yeah. Some, uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and the datas are like, oh, he's dead. He must, mm -hmm. you know, he 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 escaped the shipwreck, but he's clearly a bad man because right. you know, <laughs> karma's coming to get him, right? <laughs> Nothing happened to Paul. This is similar to the verse in Mark. And what do the people do? They wanted to worship him. Now Paul mm -hmm. has authority, right? And so Paul's unable to teach these people. Paul was an apostle. He exercised these sign gifts. Now, if we take a look at the, per, uh, the, you know, the purpose of a prophet throughout history, prophets came for a period of time, and then prophecy ceased, and then prophecy came back, and at some point in the future, prophecy will resume again when God has new revelation for us. Mm -hmm. And so we can clearly see this demarcation point in the Old Testament transition to the New Testament. We went hundreds of years. We went centuries with no prophets while the world waited for the Messiah. Mm -hmm. When the Messiah arrived, prophets came back on the scene to communicate God's plan, God's new, obviously a new revelation, right? There's no mention of the church in the Old Testament. Right. The prophets fulfilled their purpose. The canon was closed with the book of Revelation. There's no longer a need for a prophet because everything we need is in God's word. And mm -hmm. That's why we're commanded over and over to study, to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen that need not be ashamed, rightly divided in the word of truth. This is our job as Christians. And, and as, as J.B. Hickson does a great job, and I, I heard him on your, on your show recently, mm -hmm. um, explaining we need to look at all things through the lens of Scripture. And that's why we're commanded over and over again 
to study the word. Because when I look at something in the world, I'm going to take that into the lens of scripture. And if experience contradicts the word of God, experience is wrong. Mm. A lot of things can give you an experience. Your emotions can give Mm -hmm. you great experience. Uh, Drugs, I heard your life clip. Drugs can give you wonderful Mm -hmm. experiences, right? Satan and his demons can give you great experiences. Absolutely. They can give you wealth. They can give you power. Uh, so experience in and of itself doesn't, doesn't dictate truth for us. Mm. Word of God does. And that's why I'm so adamant that every person is responsible for the doctrine in their soul. So um, as Andy Woods explained in this quote, we have a transition going on. We have a period of time where we have this new creation described to us in the book of Acts but we don't have a completed New Testament canon. Mm. And so what Paul is is explaining is these gifts are important. Remember, 1 Corinthians is largely about malfunction. Mm -hmm. (laughs) These gifts are are very important, but they're of no use without love. Now, if you did a detailed study of love there, you would find that the characteristics of love are very similar to those of the filling of the Spirit. Because we're commanded to walk by means of the Spirit. So this word mature, for example, if we go to 1 Corinthians 14, 20, mm-hmm. Paul says, brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. That's our same Greek word, teleos. Right? So we do have, and remember, you know, any, any word we see, its definition is driven by context. It's true in the English language as well. Words can have different meanings in different contexts. If I said, hey, Kim, I think I need an apple, right? What do I need? Well, if the previous sentence was, I'm making an apple pie, you know what I need. Mm. If the previous sentence was, I hate my Windows computer, (laughs) then you know that I'm going to the computer store, right? Mm. So context drives meaning. And so that's why context is so important when we're studying the word. So we have this illustration of moving from being a child to being a man. This is a transition. It's just like the transition from the canon of scripture being incomplete to it being complete. Mm-hmm. This transition took place over a period of time. It took place over the period of almost 100 years, right, to, to, to complete the canon of scripture. So, and then he gives us the mirror, the, the mirror analogy, right? And so for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know just as I also am known. So again, we have this partial to a complete. And once again, the analogy is about, you know, being able to see something more clearly or being mature. Mm-hmm. Now, this word mirror in, in James um, is not unique to the passage, uh, uh, sorry, in First Corinthians, because it's used in the book of James. And I'm sure that um, y'all are familiar with this verse, uh, but I'll just read part of it for you. And again, we have the emphasis on studying Bible doctrine. So James one twenty two tells us, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Think about how important that is, right? Hearing the mm-hmm. word of God is critically important. Amen. But hearing something and not applying it 
is a very bad situation. Mm -hmm. We are responsible for the doctrine in our soul and we are responsible to apply it. Mm -hmm. If we don't, we're deceiving ourselves. And then he gives an example. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But Mm -hmm. he who looks into the perfect, that's our word teleos again, the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. So in this analogy of the mirror in James, we have our Greek word teleos again, and it's translated perfect this time. James is one of the earliest books in the New Testament, and I'm guessing that Paul was familiar with it when he wrote 1 Corinthians. Obviously, speculation on my part, but I think it's a a valid conclusion to come to. So I, I personally think that Paul used this analogy for a reason, and the mirror is used in conjunction with the Word of God. So you're looking at perfect coming in from, yeah, because that fits. Um, absolutely. So let's, um, are you okay with that if we move on from that topic? Did you answer? So do we want to look at, at, at a couple of other interpretations or do we want to move on to another topic? A, a, a couple well, of yeah. possible conclusions? Um, no, I think we've kind of, I, 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 if we can do it quickly, that would be great. Because <laughs> that way, I mean, because it's already almost eight o'clock, so I don't want right. to spend. Because if we have more questions, you know, I don't want to spend. Thir- okay. Well, we can on come one question. So. We can come back to this. I think we've. Sorry, I'm, yeah. I'm trying I to give detailed answered answers. It. Absolutely to Absolutely um, answered it. We know, can come um, back and we can look at other possibilities, but yeah, let's move on to more questions if there are questions. Okay, there aren't any, so let's go back to the tongues defined. Yeah, let's do um, because this is important. Correct. So I kind of wanted, that's why I was kind of nervous about branching off on that right away, but um, I should have just listened to my gut and waited for it. But okay, so let's, topic at hand is tongues defined. So um, let's go into that very briefly. Uh, I say very briefly, but it's not very briefly. So let's, here we go. So tongues defined. So let us bring us there for a moment. Yep. So, uh, again, we have lexical definitions. This just means dictionary. Uh, it's used, this word is used uh, two ways in the New Testament. It's used as an organ of speech, um, the, the physical, literal tongue, or it can be used as a language, right? A body of words and systems that make up a distinctive language, tongue. So, anytime we see the word tongue in the New Testament, if you have a, a, a pretty good literal translation, KJV, um, New King James, NASB, it's the same Greek word. And, and the reason this is important is because there's not some special word for this miraculous sign gift of tongues. It's just mm-hmm. a Greek word, glossa, and it's the word that's used everywhere else. So what are a couple of examples? Well, in, in English, you know, you could say, stick out your tongue, which would be literal, or I burned my tongue, which would be literal. Um, The expression watch your tongue or watch your mouth would be a reference to a language. Uh, I don't know if people talk like this anymore, but what is your native tongue? Question people might ask. It's just asking what's your native language. Um, And for those of you who are old enough to 
have watched old John Wayne Westerns. Um, <laughs> he speaks with a forked tongue, right? Mm. Um, basically, he's, he, he's not telling the truth. He's speaking out of both sides of his mouth. So that would be a, a figurative use of this word. Mm-hmm. So we can look at a couple of examples. Um, I won't go into too much detail. I, I went through a lot of them in the study, you know, when I did my original study. But let's take a look at, at, a, at a literal usage in uh, Luke sixteen twenty four, right? When um, Lazarus uh, is to so come. hold on, let me pull up the passages when you do that. Okay. So you sure. said Luke sixteen. Luke sixteen twenty four. Twenty four. Oh, why isn't it showing up on my screen? Um, oh, there we go. Okay. So there we go. Luke 1624, right? Is, am I in the right verse? Um, yep. And he you cried out. Okay. Yeah. All right. So when he, the reference to the rich man, cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tongue of his finger in water and cool off my tongue. For I am in agony in this flame. Obviously, a reference to a literal tongue. Um, you don't have to jump there, Kim, but Revelation 16.10 tells us they nod their tongues because of pain. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is a reference to a literal tongue. Um, in, so let's take a look at Acts. Let's take a look at Acts chapter 2, right? Because this, this is going to be um, an important passage. Okay, what verse you said? 11? 11, yeah. Okay. So in Acts 2.11, we see that Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Now, these are people hearing real languages. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy, and these people are hearing real languages. Right? Um, in Acts 2.3, uh, where it begins. So I'm moving that screen. People are probably going to see it move <laughs> for a little bit. I'm trying to get it to get where dizzy. people can actually read it. I just have a lot of gray space. So I'm trying to make it fit like on our screen. So there, I think that's going to work now. You'll see it. So 211. So sorry about that. Okay. Yeah. I, there we go. See how I'm moving it. So there, I think we can see that so a lot better now. I'm going to start in verses three and four, and then I'm going to jump to verse eight. So we don't have to read too much. Okay. Um, now remember this, this word is only used six times, right? In the book of Acts. And, and the main area is Acts chapter two, mm-hmm. starting in verse three. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this is the fulfillment of the prophecy that we see. And the response we get from verse 8 is, And how is it that we hear each in our own language, which we were born? So we see in Acts chapter 2, where we have the fulfillment of the prophecy that these people are speaking no languages and they're being understood. You know, if we go, if we went on to read this chapter, we would see that they're accused of being drunk and people are making all kinds of excuses, but um, those excuses don't fly. Mm-hmm. So this is our same word, glosa, and it's used to describe 
a real language. Um, it's used again in, in Acts chapter 10, um, but we don't, we don't need to jump there. Uh, I'm there. I mean, cause I've got the thing open in Acts chapter 10. Uh huh. Okay. So which um, verse? Yeah. We're going to start in verse 44. And so this topic comes up one more time in the book of Acts, right? And here we have a demonstration that Gentiles are part of the church. Um, Jewish believers, those of the circumcision who believed, uh, also heard Gentiles exercise this gift. So if we pick it up in verse 44, it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed, these are Jewish believers, obviously, were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So God permitted these Gentiles to exercise this miraculous sign gift to get the point across that, hey, the Gentiles are part of the church. This is a big theme of the book of Acts, right? There's a lot of contention here in this book and a lot of discussion about what do we do with all these Gentiles that are believing? Do we put them under the law? You know, what do we do with them? So God's demonstrated that the Gentiles are indeed part of his plan now. So I think that covers it um, in terms of the word. I mean, let's just look at a quick distribution. This word is found 21 times in the book of first Corinthians. Mm -hmm. Obviously mentioned a lot there. The next highest usage is in the book of Revelation, where it's found eight times. This is generally, this is always in relation to either um, a language or a physical tongue in terms of judgment. It's found six times in Acts, and it's found five times in James. So those are our top four usages. This word's only found six times in the book of Acts. James uses it because um, he talks about the tongue with respect to proper function. Remember, James is a book about action for believers, mm -hmm. and the tongue is a very dangerous uh, weapon for the believer. It can be yeah. used to glorify God, but it can be also be used, uh, as James says, to, to, to start great fires. Mm -hmm. So that's a real quick overview of the word and how it's used. Okay, so one thing, because again, I'm looking through the chat because I knew that we would have um, both parties in the chat tonight. So we have folks like us who believe that they ceased. Um, I believe that when the last apostle died, the gifts went with them. And a lot of people, and I think this is where um, the lack of understanding, and I'm trying to say that with love, I really do, right? Because we have to read, as you said, we've been, you've been prefacing that this whole thing. We have to study rightly the word of God. So clearly, if we're told to rightly divide, that means there's people wrongly dividing. Um, but the one yeah. thing that is very prevalent is the foundation, right, of prophets um, and apostles. The foundation, if you have a home, the foundation is only built once. It's not like you have a foundation and then another foundation, and then all of a sudden you have a bedroom and then you're going to put a foundation on top of that. And then, you know, I mean, yes, now people are going to say, well, my house is two stories. Well, of course, you know what I mean, though, but you clearly have a foundation. Mm -hmm. So, that's why there aren't any prophets or apostles today. So there are lowercase apostles, right? Evangelists, apostles, lowercase a. But the gifts, unfortunately, and someone had said um, one of these comments, and I started, um, 
valid point. It says, I don't believe God gave us gifts and then took them away. That would be a loan and not a gift. So let me just say this, and you can either piggyback on that. Yes, that is, that's a correct assumption. However, we didn't have the canon of scripture and the gifts when the apostles, see the apostles didn't do signs and wonders along with the 70 because the 70 is included in that. They didn't do signs and wonders to like do signs and wonders like Heidi Baker or Bill Johnson's church. They did it because they were basically, this is on behalf of Jesus. So they had to perform these signs and wonders to say, Hey, do you remember that guy that you saw that rose from the dead? We are working on his behalf. So when the apostleship was over, and I, I kind of dove into this with the the tongues thing, I kind of went a little deep dive on Acts. Um, so I don't want to rehash that. I mean, it's a pretty lengthy RLE for me, which I don't do them that long. But when you're reading that in context, you can see the, the two different audiences. So you're seeing in Acts when Peter, during this time that you were just reading, you can see him having a dialogue with the brethren, which were 120, I believe it was that number. But the, the the gifts didn't go to the brethren. They were doing it for the apostleship and their ministry. Who was the there? It wasn't the 120 brethren. It was the apostles. So I firmly believe that when the last apostle died, it went with them. So back then they were gifts to that audience. It's not the same audience as today. So help the person who made that comment, because again, that is a valid point, right? So if it was a gift, why would God take away the gift? Because they're not for today. So how do you, what is that um, to say that they've ceased? Because I do believe that they ceased, but what you said before though, Scott, God can do it. God can raise the dead. God can part the Red Sea. God can heal the blind, heal the sick. God can do whatever he wants to do, but the conduit is no longer man. So what, what, what do you say on that? Uh, so ultimately, what is the Bible about? It's about the glory of God, right? The salvation of man is is one part of that, but, but the Bible is for us to understand God and his glory. Uh, he's chosen to communicate his plan in a specific way, in a very personal way, right? Through writings, through letters, um, at a specific time. And he's chosen to do that uh, because he is the sovereign God. So when you have the New Testament being created, um, men who were carried along by the Holy Spirit uh, documented these things, right? And he gave them the gifts they needed to do so. God always provides you what you need to properly function in the time in which you live. And so because we had a transitionary period, God had to provide these people assets to function properly while the New Testament canon was being complete. So, you know, did God give a gift and then take it away? You can look at it that way. Um, God provided these people whatever they needed to function properly, and we have that today. So the reason this gift doesn't function today is because it's not necessary. And I would I would ask anyone who's been in these tongues churches uh, and heard people speak in tongues. I personally never have. Um, I told you the research I did in the beginning, we never went to witness it once we figured out it wasn't biblical. Mm. Kind of wanted to just to see, uh, but I did not want to be engaged in in unbiblical things. 
I guess the question I would ask is, what does a person speaking in tongues have to say that we don't already know in the completed canon of Scripture? Nothing. That that is that is my conclusion. <laughs> yes. Now again, we all have to go to the scriptures for ourselves and come to our own conclusions. But I can find over and over again in the scriptures where we're commanded to study the Word of God. We're commanded to study to show ourselves unapproved. Right. We're commanded to study so that we're not deceived. Um, in First Corinthians chapter three, actually, can we jump there, Kim? Yeah. So 1 Corinthians chapter Chapter 3, verse 1. Okay. What does Paul tell these Corinthian believers who are are malfunctioning? And I, brethren, he's speaking to believers. Remember, these Corinthian believers, their salvation is not in question. And they're doing some pretty horrible things, right? If you Mm -hmm. you look at an outline, I mean, whether it be— you know, mental attitude sins of lying and jealousy, overt sins of sexual malfunction, uh, showing up to the communion drunk. Mm. I mean, they're, you know, that's a malfunction going on. Their salvation mm-hmm. is never in question. So what does Paul tell these people? And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you are not able to receive it. And even now, you are still not able, for you are still carnal. This mirrors back to, to mirrors. This goes back to James with the mirror passage, right? What does Paul say about being a hearer, not a doer of the word? You're deceiving yourselves. Paul's telling these Corinthian believers, I can't give you any, any significant doctrine because you're still carnal. You're still babes in Christ. I have to give you milk, not solid food. And what does he say in verse three? For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you. Now, what are those sins? He doesn't say drunkenness, adultery, you know, stealing, um, robbing, raping, pillaging. These are largely mental attitude sins that are dividing people. Right? You've got envy, strife, and divisions. That's why I don't want to divide the church with this study. The church of Christ mm-hmm. is already divided enough. But I do want to turn to the word to see what it has to say. So where you have this malfunction, he says you're carnal and you're behaving like mere men. So the principle is if you don't under if you don't have a solid foundation, if you don't understand the basics, it's very difficult to grow in the Christian way of life. The Bible is a technical book. There's a lot of technical concepts that we have to understand. Tongues is just one of them. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, ambassadors, um, sanctification, justification, right? All of these technical words that we have to understand to function properly. This is no different than any other technical concept we study in life. If you refuse to learn the alphabet as a child, I can't teach you how to spell. Mm. And if you refuse to learn how to spell, I can't teach you how to write a sentence, Etc. Right. Until you understand the basics, you can't grow, and you're not going to learn the alphabet unless you sit down and write it down over and over again. You're not going to learn how to be a good writer unless you practice it on a regular basis. The same is true with math. The same is true with music. Right. You get the analogy. Mm-hmm. Paul's saying here, you're still babes in Christ. I, I can't. I can't give you doctrines that mature teleos people can handle because you're still carnal and you refuse to grow. 
as Christians, we have to grow up. We have to be in the word. And I do not believe that God is going to give us more information than we're ready to handle. Mm -hmm. So, Kim, if I'm trying to teach you what two plus two is, the next day I'm not going to send you to calculus class. Amen. Because it'd be a waste of time, right? So if we're refusing to learn and apply very basic fundamental doctrines, does God have any obligation to help us to understand the complicated ones? We can't, mm-hmm. right? It's not possible. So this is kind of where Paul is going. Um, you know, coming back to the spiritual gifts, they were given to us for a reason, so that God could reveal his glory to us, his plan, right? This comes as a shock to a lot of people, but but God doesn't actually need us, right? He chose right. to have <laughs> he chose to have a relationship with us mm-hmm. and he allows us to participate in his plan, just like the angels are allowed to participate. It's a wonderful thing. That's how we have a relationship with God, and we should absolutely take advantage of it. But we have to do that by growing in grace and knowledge. And if we're exercising a spiritual gift that doesn't exist today, is that a worthwhile use of our time? Again, it's not a salvation issue, but are we are we glorifying God by speaking in this in these languages that nobody understands? My conclusion from a lot of in-depth biblical studies is no, you're not. Mm-hmm. And I agree. So I didn't know if you were pausing for thought. That's why I waited there for a moment. I, I absolutely agree. And I know it's tough because we, whether we go to a church that you have this emotional experience, and that's the whole thing, is the devil masquerades as an angel of light, and he can really deceive. Um, you know, I told Carly the story about my mom years and years and years ago. I was backslidden. And um, so my mom lives on a river. She's got a nice home on the river. And so her master suite, there's like a little um, like screened in porch area or whatever. And I remember she, uh, we were sitting out there and I used to smoke cigarettes. And, um, so we're sitting out there and she's talking and, you know, and I don't really don't remember what she was saying. She's probably giving me another sin. will take you further and you're on. Go on, keep me longer than you want to sing. Cause you're more than blah, blah, blah. And I'm all like, uh-huh. I probably needed to go there to borrow money. And I had to sit through the lecture if I can be honest. So, um, all of a sudden, she starts praying and she grabs my hand and then she's like, I'm like, what? (laughs) She's like, I don't know. It just happened. I'm like, "Uh, did you just learn like Russian? She's like, no, I'm speaking in tongues. (laughs) Okay. So, I mean, it's not that I didn't hear it in my church. I didn't know it was charismatic. I've said this story before. Um, and I know that I, I, there's people I can see them in the chat. They clearly are thumbs up here to the gifts. I'm not. So, um, because we don't need them because we have the scripture. They didn't have Canon back then. They didn't have the scripture, whether scripture today, we don't need any extra revelation. Extra revelation is demonic. I'm sorry. It is. I know. There you go. I said it for you. <laughs> I know you're being really sweet, but this is my podcast and I don't have to be. So it's not, it's extra. It's, it's, it's revelation that the Lord is not giving anyone today, because let me just say this, and I know I'm totally conversational ADD. 
how would people feel if God is giving, say, A, B, and C a tongue or a revelation, but he's not giving it to X, Y, and Z? How are X, Y, and Z going to feel? Am I not worthy enough? And that's why a lot of charismatics, new apostolic, um, Pentecostals, uh, that's why they're very puffed up with their ego because, oh, God is solely speaking to me. You know, you got to be more spiritual. Well, no, I'm spiritual enough because we're all as filthy rags. So that's where I teeter on that. Like, why is he giving it to A, B, and C, but not X, Y, and Z? That's just not really fair. And they're not more spiritual than me because we're all standing before God on the same exact platform. So I just wanted to say that. So anyway, when my mom was done, Habba Shabba Lubisku wants a biscuit. I was very uncomfortable. And I got up. So I finished my cigarette and I got up. So, but mind you, she's doing that while I'm smoking my cigarette. So it wasn't like she told me to put out the cigarette, Scott. I'm like, <sighs> she's holding my hair in prayer. My, not my hair, um, my hand. And then I remember another time, um, and you know, I've always heard the buzz terms growing up and breaking generational curses. <laughs> and so, um, I almost died. I know I shouldn't really joke when I say the story. So I, I did. I almost died when I was 16 years old. So my mom had just lost my dad. You know, he passed away when I was 14. So a couple of years before that, we're in Florida. And for anyone who lives here in Florida, or if you've ever visited, or if you want to come visit, I'm going to caution you about the fire ants. Like, it's legit. Like, I'm not just saying that. But these fire ants in Florida can kill you. They have venom in it, like a rattlesnake bite. So and that's not, ha, <laughs> it's so funny. That's legit. The fire ants are not like some ants that I grew up in in New York. These things will kill you. And they're big mounds. You know, usually you see them on the ground. Um, golf courses will have them. Just you're warned. So I was going out to the mailbox. It was a beautiful, sunshiny day in Florida. What do you do in Florida? You wear bare feet. Whatever. Uh, you're in bare feet. Not that you wear it. It's not like I just picked up some new feet. I'm walking out to my mailbox. Um, felt a little bite, bite on the inside of my ankle. Long story short, because I'm not going to get into that whole story. Um, I wasn't feeling right at all. There was something going on in my body. Clearly, I was going to anaphylactic shock. I did not know that. But because my mom, I knew she just lost my dad. I didn't want to make her panic. I get into the shower. I thought the cold water would have done something. And then she had some church people at the house boy, they whipped out that olive oil faster than I know because they anointed me with oil thinking that let me just grease this baby down and maybe whatever's happening with my child will go away. So I got greased in oil. And then as we're driving, um, anyway, so I, if she would have waited, I could have died. So basically I passed out, fainted in the restroom. Um, but I do remember though, waking up, um, saying, thank you, Jesus. And I never knew why I've always known there was a call on my life, Scott. I kind of avoided the call for many years, but I, I feel like that was God letting me know like, Hey, I've got you from here until all of eternity, you know? But anyway, I'm saying because I've been around this stuff for so long. And I think that's why I'm biblically so into the word of God. I'm not, I'm not saying this, oh, because I was in it, I around it, I don't like it. No, I've my nose has been plugged into the word of God because I've been around a parent who was seeped in deception, who still seeped in deception. And I know I never wanted to be that way. So I am the I am the 
complete opposite. I'm like, okay, Lord, take me to the Bible. So even if I read a passage off topic, not even signs and wonders, I want the Bible to convict me, to encourage me. I want it to change me. That's what it, that's why it's living. So if I read it today, that verse might look a lot different to me tomorrow when I'm going through something. So, but anyway, I was anointed with oil. Mama was speaking in some tongues and didn't understand her. had no idea. I thought maybe she was vomiting. So again, I just don't, I agree with you. God, we got, we don't need extra revelation. There's no prophets. There's no one talking. There's no man of God giving outside words of the Bible. If they're preaching, prophecy is technically gospel related. That's what that word prophecy in current day. I just got a nudge from the Holy Spirit when I just said that. So maybe you can clarify that, Scott, because I think that would really help a lot of people. Because those terms, they might have meant something, as you said back then, but current day, if you really break down now, since we have the canon of scripture, reading it through that lens, those terms can be a little different. Do you agree with that? Yes. Um, I mean, prophecy in the sense that you are able to expand upon the scriptures, right? Foretelling versus foretelling. Um Sure. I mean, if somebody wanted to go that direction, it wouldn't be horrible. Honestly, if somebody wanted to exercise the gift of tongues in absolute strict accordance with chapters 12 through 14, um, it probably wouldn't be horrible. I don't think that's not how it's done today. Um, your mother is a good example. Did she tell you what she was saying? Did she give she you an interpretation? Know. No, because she didn't even know what she was saying. I asked her. She didn't even know. Right. Said so, it's her heavenly language. Yes. And so, you know, I like the approach of asking questions. People say it's my heavenly language. Okay. Can you give me biblical justification for having a heavenly language? Let's Isn't go to the somewhere scriptures in Corinthians. Yeah. Let's, let's go there. see what they say. Um, okay. You know, that's, that's what I would ask people to do. Um, we don't have to do it right now, but oh, we, okay. we, can if you, we can, if you want. Nope. Um, we'll get to that. You know, in terms of, I like what you said about a calling, we all have one. Mm -hmm. And tongues can become a salvation issue because there are churches out there that will tell you if you haven't spoken in tongues, then you're not saved. I have examples of doctrinal statements that that kind of go there. And that's when when tongues can become very dangerous. Mm -hmm. Particular church I was teaching in, like I said, it was a very small charismatic church. It was dying. I met the pastor under some interesting circumstances and she agreed to let me come teach because she was kind of questioning whether or not women should be teaching or not. Mm. Um, So we obviously covered two topics right off the bat. Uh, The first is salvation because they are of the opinion that, you know, Oh, are you one of those cheap grace people? Are you one of those easy believism people? (laughs) Right. Uh, Well, yes, I am. Um, although grace is not cheap and believing is not you. easy. Um, <laughs> and I am living proof of that. It was not mm-hmm. easy for me to believe the gospel. Mm-hmm. I had to do a lot of research to come to that conclusion. Uh, so these are important concepts. But in terms of calling, yes, everybody has one. You know, Andy Woods has said before in his classes that you know the thing that scares you the most, the thing that you're most terrified of, uh, that's quite possibly what you should be doing. Um, and I think mm. there's a lot of truth to that because 
Satan does not want you exercising your actual spiritual gift. See, he can neutralize you by having you go, uh, uh, I don't want to be derogatory, but speaking in these unknown languages, right? I mean, if that's not what you're supposed to be doing biblically, and if that's not your actual gift, then you've just been neutralized. There's two mm-hmm. things Satan seeks to do. and This is why the gospel is the most controversial topic out there. He does not want you to become a believer, obviously. Um, ideally, he would like you to think that you are, right? Because then you're basically on his side. So if you believe that you're a Christian and you don't understand the gospel, uh, that can be a very dangerous position to be in. If you do happen to get saved, the last thing he wants you to do is exercise your spiritual gift in the way God designed it. Because Mm -hmm. there are spiritual gifts. Um, There's a lot of them. That would be a great study, too. Mm -hmm. Um, They were given to us by God for edification, not for puffing yourself up, right? Mm -hmm. And this is why we have the the body part analogy. You know, when I I was very young um, in high school, sounds very young to me now, but um, (laughs) I like to ride bikes, right? And I Mm -hmm. I built my own bike um, when I was in high school, worked in bike shops, saved up Mm -hmm. my money to, to build a nice road bike and so you're talking a bicycle, not a motorcycle, right? Yeah, a pedal. Okay, because I yeah, I I love uh, I bike ride. Go ahead. Yeah, bike ride. I actually ride my bike to work most days. It's great. Mm. Um. Anyways, guy used to hang out in there, um, talk, and a uh, great bike rider. Um, didn't quite walk right, and uh, well, we found out one day that he didn't have a big toe. Mm. Now, if you wanted, now this is why the body analogy is so important, right? So you've got this this little thing on your foot, uh, but try having it be gone and walking, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. we have no idea how important our big toe is to our balance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and this is why Paul uses the analogy of body parts in First Corinthians. And he says, look, you know, not everybody can be an eye or a mouth or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but God glorifies them all. So we have to find our spiritual gift, whatever it is, and we have to exercise it. And, you know, I think you're right. Tongues becomes a way for people to you know, have everyone look at them. And mm-hmm. a lot of it comes down to peer pressure. Mm. Every, everybody else is doing it. And if I want to look spiritual, I better do it too. Now, if you go onto YouTube and you type in how to speak in tongues, mm-hmm. you'll come up with no shortage of videos of people describing how you, you know, put your tongue back in the back of your mouth and, Flap it around or whatever they tell you to do. Right. And again, I'm not being mean. This is what they teach. And I just don't believe there's any biblical justification for doing that. Because as right. we saw in Acts chapter two, these people are speaking known languages that are being understood. Mm-hmm. And the target is unbelievers. Right? And we'll go into detail, more detail in First Corinthians yeah. at some point. But um, you know, I would encourage everyone listening to this to this podcast uh this week to read the book of Acts and understand what's really going on in this book. Because, you know, in terms of, oh, why would God give one group of people a gift and not the other? Well, look at the gift of the Holy Spirit that was given to the church at Pentecost. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, in the old Testament were people permanently indwelt by the Holy Spirit. No, it was given to them to accomplish specific tasks. You know, David obviously prayed, don't take your spirit from me. Mm -hmm. But in the church, we have the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit, right? 
I mean, why don't people teach this in the churches? You could spend a year teaching this topic alone, how powerful it is. Mm-hmm. We're the temple of God. We're permanently indwelt by all three members of the Trinity. And we have been given the power that we need to walk in good works that who prepared beforehand? God, right? We're commanded to walk in good works that God prepared beforehand. Now, if you're walking by means of the Spirit, you're walking by the will of God, and you're walking in the works that he prepared beforehand in his power, who gets the glory? God does. Hmm. That's the whole point. Mm-hmm. So God in his grace, because he chooses to have a relationship with us, allows us to participate in his plan. It's a wonderful thing. We should all be taking advantage of it. And the only way that I know all of these things that I'm presenting to you is because they're documented for us in the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So someone had a question, uh, yada, yada. Hello. It's so nice to see you. I am so glad you joined us. And so I have it pulled up as well. But the question is, Kim, did you mean to say the anointing with oil when praying for your illness was also wrong? What about James 14, 514? So I have that up on the screen. Uh, let me go ahead and share that real quick. And uh, that says, let me fly that over here so I can read it. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So you are correct. That is scriptural. However, I don't think they used it properly, though. So help us understand that really quick. Because if that was the case, we can just anoint anyone with oil and they would be, I can anoint someone who has cancer with oil and all of a sudden they would be healed. And I can understand reading that passage. That's where they get that from. So can you help us dissect that real quick? Yeah. So as we've talked about, God is sovereign, right? Mm -hmm. And when we see these miracles, um, God did not heal everybody, right? When Jesus Christ walked the face of the earth, he did not heal the entire world performed miracles for a reason, they ceased for a reason. That doesn't mean that they don't exist today as we discussed. So when people are sick, when people are going through trying times, we absolutely pray for them. We pray for them in accordance with scripture, understanding that God's will is done. Each one of us has a certain amount of time that we're going to be in this earth. And and when our plan is over, he will take us home. Uh, so I don't have any issue with praying over people who are sick. I think it's a it's a great thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is it guaranteed that we're going to all get well today? No, it's not. We live in Satan's fallen world, and so of all the people that Jesus healed, how many of them are still alive today? I'm well, that's see, that's sure. a trick question. Because all of them, if they're in heaven, so, I mean, they're <laughs> so all alive. How many of them are still walking alive. the earth? None. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, because physical death is a result of sin and it's a guarantee. Uh, so, you know, I don't, I haven't looked into a whole lot about um, anointing people with oil. Mm-hmm. Um, churches I've been in, uh, they don't practice that. Right. But again, if somebody was sick and they chose to anoint somebody with oil based purely on the scriptures, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have any issue with that. 
Correct. And but also, I, I think to keep James in context, though, and this is where I kind of the Jews did things differently, kind of like when they with the with the sackcloth and they would pour oil over their head. So I think we also have to keep their culture in context. So James is written. James is not written to Gentiles. James is literally written to the Jews. So I think to the symbolism that comes with oil is based upon what were the Jewish practices back then what were they doing what was in their culture so and i think that people anointing them with oil is great and yada yada i saw that no worries um absolutely no i'm just responding to your question and we the pain could be gone but we don't want to put that faith in the oil and i think that's where a lot of people may mess up is we're anointing them with oil putting the healing power in the oil and not the healing power in Jesus Christ. So that's fine. So I'm not saying don't anoint. I was being facetious with the whole oil thing because I ki- I came from such a odd background that, you know, between the speaking in tongues, anointing with oil, believe me, I've seen it, I've heard it. So th- I was saying it jokingly. So yada yada, if you felt like praying over your dad um, and then the, the prayer was gone. But again, if you are anointing somebody with oil, don't put the faith in the substance because you can anoint him with butter and get the same result. So God is God. He's not like, Oh, nope. She didn't use extra virgin. Can't do it today. Should have been, or should have been coconut or soybean oil. So, you know, and there's so many different oils today. What if I'm allergic and I need avocado oil and you're putting now olive oil on me. So again, let's just make sure that when we're doing stuff, it's not, but with James, we just got to keep it in context The the audience is not Gentiles. The audience is Jews and no one can disrupt that or not disrupt whatever the word is I'm looking for. Discount that because it literally says to the dispersed 12 tribes. So the 12 clearly tribes who, scattered abroad. Yes. Yeah. It's clear um, who the audience is. Yeah. Now they, now they are believers. Right. So remember James is one of the earliest books written. Mm-hmm. So, um, the, the church was largely Jewish uh, when the book of James was written. Um, these Jews are believers. He calls them brethren. Um, Dennis Roxer covered this when he covered James uh, 2.14, I believe it was, when you had him on recently. Uh, but this book is written to believers. Uh, again, their salvation is not in question. Uh, James 2.14 would also be a great study to go through to clear that up. Um, because, you know, when, when we claim that, a person is saved by faith alone and Christ alone. One of the first places they're going to jump to is James two fourteen. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just because things happen in the New Testament doesn't necessarily mean that we should be doing them. Right? Um, it's the difference between being descriptive and prescriptive, is how how J. B. Hickson puts it. Mm. Uh, so we need to read the scriptures very carefully and, and understand who the audience is. In uh, in what in re- what's required of them. So when I go to Je- when I go to Acts chapter two and I see people in speaking in tongues and I say, well, then I should be doing that because they were doing it. Therefore, I should be doing that. Um, well, I mean, Judas went and hung himself, right? I mean, we shouldn't be doing that. Mm-hmm. Now, one right. might argue that that <laughs> Judas was an unbeliever, right? So maybe you could use that for an argument. But mm-hmm. the point is. We have to understand the fact that most of the Bible was not written to us. It's profitable for us. All doctrine is profitable for for teaching, uh, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. 
but it's not all written to us. I think, I think the Ten Commandments are a very good example, right? A lot of people mm-hmm. use the Ten Commandments in witnessing. There's a very popular guy in Huntington Beach where I was born. I, I've actually seen him in person. He stands out there. He reads the Ten Commandments to people. Um, were the Ten Commandments written to us? No. No. <laughs> Can we learn a whole lot from them? Absolutely. Yes. but. And a I lot of them I ignore. No, I'm teasing. Just <laughs> well, we do, but that's malfunction. But mm-hmm. for example, um, what about the Sabbath? Right, that's one of the very important commandments for the Jews. We don't observe the Sabbath, and and what's the penalty for not observing the Sabbath in the Old I Testament? I don't remember. Uh, it's death, I believe. Oh, um, I don't remember either, but I'm pretty sure it is. It's a very serious thing. Mm-hmm. Yet. We don't observe it today, right? And this mm. is similar to the question that people are asking about gifts. God's plan is unfolding in such a way that he is He is progressively revealing truth to us as, as history plays out. And every generation is given the assets they need to perfectly carry out God's plan. During mm-hmm. that transitionary period, those are the assets this group of people needed. Today, mm. we don't need those assets because we have the completed canon scripture and mm-hmm. everything we need to function properly is in this book mm. and we're commanded over and over again to study it including the book of james as we saw Ag- earlier agreed so i um i use the bible knowledge commentary i think it's a great and i i'm not one so let me preface this i'll read the bible and if i happen to get stuck or if i feel like mm, I, I feel like that's what that means lord then I go to a commentary and I don't ever recommend. That's why even my Ryrie, I never really read the notes um, because sometimes we just then want to read the study notes. And then we're all of a sudden now taking their opinion when we, so we're reading their opinion now into that scripture, but I was correct. And I, I don't ever toot my horn, but I need to toot my horn because I was just reading that. And then again, I believe in the five who, what, where, when, why, Right. The five W's and the one H. So that's how I read the Bible. Who, what, where, when, why, how, right? Ask your five questions, you know, and those six, and then you'll learn the Bible. But anyway, so this is what that says, not to bring up the anointing with oil again, but I have to, for those who know me. So it says here, and I'm not going to go through the whole thing. So I am quoting here. I don't know who is doing this particular, if I move that, is that going to move? No. Okay, good. So James said that the, so he's talking about the praying over the sick isn't always in this context, doesn't always mean sick. So it says, James said to the elders should pray over him and anoint them with oil. It is significant that the word anoint is, go ahead, Scott. What is that word? Can you see it? Alepsantes. I don't know that word. Sorry. Sure. Well, that word (laughs) means rub with oil, not the other word, chiro. No, that's my Mexican word. Chirio. I don't know. Means ceremony anoint. The former is the mundane word and the latter is the sacred and religious word. So then I scroll down a little bit. Therefore, James is not suggesting a ceremonial or ritual anointing as a means of divine healing. Instead, he is referring to the common practice of using oil as a means of bestowing honor, refreshment, or grooming. So, I just want to say that I was correct because that's what I said, the Jewish heritage. So he was saying up at the top, let me just scroll up here. So he's saying 
that word here that I don't know how to say it's it's highlighted on the screen um that dog literally just I seriously thought a dog was in my apartment that was sorry that was my dog barking I hit the new totally fine because I'm like oh my gosh I know I have dogs all around me and I'm like is dude in my apartment like I really thought there was like a pit bull at my foot I was like I had no treats buddy how did you get up here Okay, so that word, whatever, literally means to be weak. So that word sick does not mean healing anyway. So I, I, I just, again, that it, um, so it says down here, if you can read that too. So translated, the sick person literally means to be weary. So I'm, I'm just a firm believer, and I'm not saying you're not, yada, yada, please. I'm not saying that at all. Um, hear my heart when I say this. But I think sometimes we really just need to do the, and I have it on my website if anybody wants it. It's, um, Sandra, if you want to pull that up, that would be great. Um, and then just um, let me know. Can you share? No, because you're back behind the, the wall. But I have it under, let me, can, are you mind if I go there, Scott, so people can see what I'm talking about? Because it's a great oh, tool. And Life Clips Podcast. Okay, so you can, I'm going to share my screen. Um, and let's see. Um, I need to stop sharing to reshare. It's just too many buttons, too much clicking going on. Okay. So there is my website. So if you go to my website and you click all the way over to where it says files and you're going to see a whole bunch of stuff. So I got just some stuff with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I did that actually, for when I was doing my chosen series, but anyway, so scroll all the way down past all this Jewish stuff. And then right here, six things when to ask when reading the Bible, who, what, where, when. So I kind of break it all down for you guys. And that would really help when you're reading the word of God, who, what, where, when, why, and how. So in case you ever want to remember that, if you want to put that in the, uh, the link, um, Sandra, that would be great. The files, not my website. Um, and that way they can go right there and see that. But that's really important for us to remember how to study the word of God, because it can be. I mean, I'm not saying I'm some Bible scholar because I'm not. I just go because the Bible can be at times. So I'm just like, OK, who who was the passage about? What is it talking about? Who was the audience? So I ask those questions, which help me navigate the correct way to navigate the passage. Even now I'm studying, I'm already done with first Corinthians. I'm almost done with second Corinthians. And it's taken me months to do that. Cause I don't rush through. If I have to read three verses to understand and dive in, cause Corinthians, as we know, is one of those chapters. And I'm all like, my, my notes are like question mark. Hmm, what does that mean? And then I'll reread it, pray on it, meditate on it. And then the Holy spirit will enlighten me. And I hate that word enlighten. I just felt like we were on a new age podcast. So anyway, I digress there. So if anyone wants that, there you go. It's in the files. Um, okay, so it is now quarter to nine, and we really haven't dove in too much to this study. I guess you're coming back next week. So um, sure. Scott's going to be back here next week, guys, and we're going to talk a little bit more about tongues. So, um, but really quick, let's. Can we just? Um, oh, I don't even know. What do you want to do? Because if you're coming back next week, you tell me, do you want to go over the prophecy of tongue? What do you want to do? Um, yeah, we can we can go into that next week. I mean, we don't have to jump into it now, but which, which 
whichever direction you want to go is fine. You can so do you want to take questions? See if anyone has any questions. Yeah, if we have more questions, that'd be great. Or comment. Curious what people okay. think. Because right now I don't see any. Um, but if you want to put all that stuff up, Sandra, that would be great. Um, and then that way we can get some questions in. I don't see any on Rumble either. Um, so while we're waiting on that, um, yeah, well, let's, so let's, let's take a look at the prophecy. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, while we're, yep. pretty, it's Perfect. pretty short. It's pretty straightforward. Okay. Um, can you take us to, uh, Isaiah 28, uh, 2811? Uh, yep. Let me get there real quick. So you're saying Isaiah, let me close all these. Uh, it's so humid out there and I got my doors open. Isaiah, what was it again? 28? 28, uh, 11 is the key verse. Maybe we'll start in nine. All right. So let Because me... it kind of ties into with what's going on. Okay. Let me, let me get this in order first. Okay. There we go. So you said at nine, I have to reshare my screen. Um, you know what? You know what I love about my people is they have such patience because I don't. <laughs> I have no patience. I always said I was absent when they were passed out. No, I just don't have any. <laughs> I really don't. I or I came in late because I was impatient, and I know I'm just teasing. Okay, so I'm in Isaiah chapter twenty-eight, verse eight. You said, yeah. Uh, we'll start at nine. Okay. I'm reading from the New King James. I don't know what you have up. NASB. We're good. Okay, it should be close enough. Yeah. Um, whom will he teach knowledge? And whom will he make to understand the message? Those just weaned from milk? Those just drawn from their breasts? Again, this, this should sound familiar, right? Because we just went over 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Mm-hmm. So these people have a very similar problem as the Corinthian church. For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. So they're supposed to be taking in doctrine on a consistent basis. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people, to whom he said, this is the rest which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. So what is the problem here? These people will not hear the word of Mm. God will not hear the knowledge that's being taught. And how does this passage end? Verse 14, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men, who Mm -hmm. rule this people who are in Jerusalem. So, well, the way God administers his plan does change. Truth doesn't change. And unfortunately, man's problem doesn't change. Mm. Um, we have a problem in our society today that, that the Bible said would happen towards the end of this age. And that is people are not interested in hearing the word of God. Mm-hmm. They want an experience, right? Um, if you listen to the top 10 reasons that people attend a church, you're going to hear, and I, I ask a lot of people, what church do you go to? Why do you go there? Right. I'm a big fan of asking questions. Because it's not rude. It's not derogatory. I just want to understand what people believe. Mm-hmm. This becomes the basis for conversations, right? Only re- The only way we can have a good, meaningful conversation is to understand where the person is coming from. And, and 
as we've said, all things should be taken through the lens of Scripture. Now, according to the Bible, what's the primary function of a local church? It's to study the Word of God under a mm-hmm. pastor teacher who is prepared to do so. Right? Um, a pastor can go a long ways in helping you understand the Word of God because remember, this is an infinite book. He doesn't understand it either. Mm-hmm. The whole idea is he studies for eight hours during the day. And then for one hour that night, he teaches you everything you need to know. Mm. In an ideal world, he really shouldn't be that much more advanced than you because he's bringing you up to speed every day. Right? And this is true, again, in all areas of life. People who um, you know, want to homeschool their kids. Well, I, I, I could never teach my son algebra or calculus. Okay, how old is he? Oh, he's six months. <laughs> okay, well... You don't have to know calculus today, right? <laughs> you only have to be one day ahead. Do okay, you know well, hold you? on, Scott. I'm 51 and I still don't know calculus. So let's just, I don't even know algebra. Okay, I don't even know how to do fractions sometimes. So there you go. Um, so, but, but if you had children and you wanted to homeschool them, you only have to be one day ahead is my point. That's <laughs> so funny. And, and this is true in the biblical world, you know, mm. ideally... You should be just as mature as your pastor. In a perfect world, you should only be about eight hours behind him in terms of spiritual growth, in terms of biblical knowledge, because he's teaching you. So the exhortation here is to hear the word of the Lord, right? Because Mm -hmm. this has been man's problem since day one. What happened in the garden? What did Satan say? Well, did God really say that? Mm -hmm. Questioning God's word from day Mm -hmm. one. God gave us his word so that we could study it and apply it to our lives. So this passage should sound very similar to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to get that on the screen so everyone can also see that. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, right? Yep, we went over it earlier. Yep. And you have the same analogy with being fed with milk and not solid food. Mm-hmm. Uh, for even until now, you were not able to receive it. Even now, you were still not able. So these these Corinthian believers were not were not being hearers and doers of God's word. That's that's why mm-hmm. Paul's writing to them. He's encouraging them to to study the word and to function properly. He never tells them not to speak in tongues, right? He never tells them not to exercise their spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. Tells them to exercise them properly. And in the context of doing so, he says, and by the way, this should not be the focus. The focus is love because these things are going away. Because there's going to come a time in which they are no longer needed because you're going to get your Bible doctrine from the completed canon of Scripture. Right? So, so why didn't Paul just say that? Mm. Why didn't Paul just say, you know, for example, if Paul wanted to say, you need to keep speaking in tongues until Jesus comes back, well, then he would have said that. Now, in the previous Mm. chapter, in chapter 11, which is about the Lord's Supper, Mm -hmm. does he tell us, keep on doing this till the Lord returns? Yeah. So if Paul wanted us to speak in tongues until the Lord returns, Mm -hmm. well, then he probably would have just said that. Mm, that's a great point. So, so you're saying that's where you get where it's fulfilled with the canon of scripture. Well, I'm saying that 
It makes the most we, sense, I should I'm say. I'm saying that we could rule out tongues, <laughs> right? Right. Now, the return of Christ is imminent. Mm -hmm. um, every generation has believed that Christ is going to return in their generation. Mm -hmm. um, I'm reading a book. I don't think I can find it in time to share the title, but it's 100 years old. And if you read oh, this, wow. it was T.A. T. A. McMahon, Dave Hunt, both great, great men of God. Mm -hmm. um, the point is, if you read this book, it sounds like it's written today because the things mm. this man is observing in his time yeah. are shocking to him. And he mm -hmm. says to himself and in his book, this can't go on for much longer. The depravity all around me is horrible. Well, each generation of properly functioning believers witnesses this depravity and mm -hmm. says, Lord, come back. This can't go on much longer, right? Because the New Testament tells us that in the, in the, in the end of this age, in the end of this, um, I'm, I'm going to use the D word, right? If we want to be controversial, uh, two words you want to be very careful of using, uh, the F word and the D word, right? Uh, <laughs> a fund if, if you're a fundamentalist today, then you're basically a, a terrorist, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then if you're a dispensationalist, oh boy, that, that causes real issues. Mm -hmm. um, and that could be a topic for another day, but I would argue that everybody who reads the Bible is a dispensationalist. Uh, we don't, you know, we don't take our lambs to church on Sunday morning and <laughs> sacrifice them, right? Um, is that malfunction? Because there's direct commands in the Word of God to do so, right? Gotcha. I can't. I don't know why I'm laughing at that. That is just so sad. Can you imagine just like lamb house slaughter going on? The new church name would be like the slaughterhouse, like literally. <laughs> Well, While they're all speaking in tongues. That, I mean, that had a very important purpose because that was an illustration of the fact that somebody had to pay for sins. Amen. Right? And and mm -hmm. it was a great teaching tool at the time. Yeah. Because, you know, slitting a lamb's throat and watching its blood, you know, spurt out in about this mm -hmm. innocent, cute little cuddly lamb mm -hmm. um, and watching its blood spurt out is a wonderful illustration that something that is innocent is going to have to come pay for your sins. So why don't we do it today? What did John the Baptist say? Right? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Mm -hmm. But it was teaching. So we mm -hmm. have this concept of progressive revelation, of truth unfolding, even though truth never changes. Mm -hmm. Again, the way we know this is in the Word of God, and we're warned that in the latter days, people are not going to care. Yeah. They're going to want experiences. So going back to the top 10 reasons of what you look for in a church, I've heard it's close to home. The seats are comfortable. I like the music. The coffee is good. Um, my kids have friends there. They've got great mm -hmm. programs. And again, if we're looking at the world through the lens of Scripture, I simply ask the question, what is the biblical requirement for a church? Is it a fancy building and a smoke machine? Mm -hmm. Wow. And great music. See, people are looking for experience. Church is not a rock concert. If you want to go to mm -hmm. a rock concert, go to a rock concert. That's fine. Yeah. But when you go to church, you need to be studying the Word of God because this mm -hmm. is how we get through this world. Mm -hmm. I know I probably sound like a broken record, but very few people have any interest in truly understanding the Word of God. Right? Right. I don't know everything. Mm -hmm. Nobody does. But I try my best to study line by line. Mm -hmm. You could turn to hundreds of passages and I couldn't tell you what they mean because the Bible is an infinite book. Yeah. But we learn a little bit at a time so that we can apply it to our lives 
and glorify God. Mm. Whole purpose. So what is the number one requirement when looking for a church? Are they teaching sound doctrine? Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah. Not, not is the pastor perfect because no mm-hmm. pastor ever is going to be. Not do I agree with everything he says because whether I agree with the pastor or not is irrelevant. I care mm-hmm. about what the Bible says. Yeah. But I can tell you that mm-hmm. I've had quite a few pastors over my life um, and very few of them I've agreed with on 100% of topics. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, there are things we're commanded to separate over. Right, First Corinthians chapter five does cover that, and other verses in the Bible. And so now we have to use our discernment, right? And that's what mm-hmm. I was saying about tongues. I mean, you know, when I was speaking to the to the lady who ran this charismatic church, I said, "Look, if if you want to practice tongues exactly like First Corinthians twelve through fourteen describes, which means the only legitimate case you have for speaking in tongues is if an unbeliever walks in that doesn't speak English." And somebody turns around and miraculously speaks in their language to evangelize them. I would be okay with that disruption, right? Yeah. yeah. But, but what if you're in the middle of teaching and you know you've got and, and, and this is real. I'm not being derogatory. You've got people literally swinging from the chandeliers, barking like dogs, rolling around on the ground. How, how would you ever concentrate? Yeah. The don't forget the holy laughter. The holy laughter. I mean, what are you really learning? You're looking mm-hmm. for an experience, right? Mm-hmm. And if someone's trying to clearly communicate the word of God, and then people are interrupting them every five minutes, you know, with these babblings and tongues, mm-hmm. Paul says, how does that help the church? It doesn't. How does that help anybody? Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Could you imagine any other environment where you have a technical concept being taught? Again, let's go back to calculus class, right? Mm-hmm. This guy is trying to lay out some differential equations for you and teach you how they work. And every five minutes, someone just starts babbling incoherently about, I don't know, the weather. Yeah, great point. Would it be helpful? Or would people say, could you please sit down and be quiet? I'm trying mm. to learn. This is my concern with the gift. I don't, I can't find any biblical reason for it to be exercised. And I find a lot of places where it just serves as a great distraction for people who are seeking experiences. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I can't find any biblical justification. for it. I agree. So I, I, this is not a question, but this is so I'm going to do this next time. I'm, I'm actually going to do this and I'm not going to put the comment up yet. I'm going to do this. The next time I hear Heidi Baker, Kat Kerr, uh, who are the other ones? Um, I can't think of their names, but here you go. Has anyone tried using an interpreter app and record those on YouTube speaking in tongues? I've tried. It's never worked. Thank you, Melissa, John 316 for that one. Cause I was rolling. I don't know if you saw my reaction, Sandra, when I started, but that is, what is an so interpreter true. app. So when you're talking like Google translate, yeah, um, so, like, for instance, my maintenance workers, they speak in Spanish. So Yeah, yeah I know how that works. Are, are, are you saying this can be done with tongues now, too? Is that what they're is that Well, because you're trying to record what they're saying, and then it'll pick it up. So she's okay. saying you could probably use that particular app, like Google Translate, and put it on there, because it's definitely a language that you don't know. If it's true, if it was a language, all of a sudden it would be like Russian. Gotcha. Thank okay. you for joining me today at my church. We love you. You know, but you don't, she can't find any. 
So I'm going to try that. That was a great suggestion. You know what I'm going to do on a next RLE? I'm just going to do tongues on my app. Boom. There we go. Now I'm teasing. So I thought she was saying there's actually an app that exists that you can, and there, maybe there is where you can. Oh, no, 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 your, no. She was saying like, for you. no, like she was saying use an interpreter app for a language because that's technically what it's supposed to be. So to interpret, to translate what they're saying, I think she's calling it an interpreter app, but like a Google tra- a translating app. So if I so, went to Italy, I can put right. them on my phone and I could see what they're saying. Um, yeah, so this is where, you know, studying some of the history doesn't hurt, right? Now, again, it's mm-hmm. not going to prove it one way or the other. Uh, Dawn covers this in, on the Lovesick Scribe. She does a pretty good job. Um, mm-hmm. And then the Cessationist movie, um, which I would recommend people should watch. Like I said, I, you know, it's, it's a very, very good movie. Um, it's, you know, how much detail can you go into in an hour and a half? Not a lot, but but they cover the main topics. Mm-hmm. and. The history of tongues was originally, they said people were speaking real languages, right? This this whole movement came about not too long ago, mm-hmm. um, early 20th century, I believe. I don't remember. But um, they originally thought they were speaking real languages. And when that was proven to be false, uh, then they kind of shifted to this, to this mode. And again, this shifting doesn't bother me if it's biblical, right? Mm-hmm. History can be wrong for a very long time, and the Bible proves yeah. it right. Mm-hmm. But, but it's, it's good to understand the history, and I think the movie uh, provides people what what they would need to, to understand that. Mm. Well, I am actually because you're going to come back next week. Are you okay with that? Because that was the original plan anyway. Um, but as always, I mean, I'm chatty Kathy, and I go down rabbit holes, and my audience goes down rabbit holes, and I like that, so it keeps it fresh. Um, so you're going to come back next week and we are going to finish off our tongues. Cause there's a lot, we're going to talk about prayer language, the actual yep, speaking important. in tongues, kind of really diving into that. And I think yep. too, you know, Scott, I think that would allow us a lot of time to actually probably finish these slides, um, to go through them. So you guys, just so you're aware, this is basically what we did not get through <laughs> tonight. So, um, there's a lot of meat here and, um, I know there's still a lot of people. I don't know if they've left or are still on the chat or uh, we'll watch this on post, but there are a lot of people too. And again, I always say, let's agree to disagree agreeably. However, we need to do that disagreement through the lens of the Bible. And because the Bible is not going to contradict itself. So your truth and my truth, one of us has to be wrong um, because Jesus does not cause division like that within the body of Christ. So someone, someone is reading it wrong. Um, and the Bible is not left for private interpretation. So, um, as you know, I always like to close, or I don't know if you know, but with the Jeff Kinley thing, but do you have anything to say before we close out? Um, and you've been a pleasure. This was, um, let me stop my screen share there. You've been a pleasure. Uh, it was really, you know, finally nice to actually meet you now face to face. I know we spoke on the phone and it, that was, um, awesome and, um, very knowledgeable. And I like that. And you're bringing, the truth of God's word. So anyway, do you have anything you would like to add before I close out? Uh, I think we'll just pick it up next week. I, I, I like that plan. We have a lot to cover. I think unknown tongues is important. That's part of the justification people use. Uh, tongues mm-hmm. is a prayer language, as you mentioned, uh, will be a, a good topic. And we looked at the prophecy of tongues. We'll, we'll look at um, Paul explaining to us how that's the case. Right? Again, like I said, that's not something I just 
came up with. Um, it's, it's Paul that was given that information through the Holy Spirit. So yeah, we have plenty of stuff we can cover next week. It'll be great. Awesome. So what I'm going to do, because I know you wanted to start us off in prayer, so maybe you can end us in prayer. So I'm going to read my little snippet from Jeff Kinley's book, End Us in Prayer, and then I'll end us out, out, um, which wouldn't take but two seconds. So as always, this is a snippet from, are you okay with that to end us in prayer? Is I kind of just put you right there? I, w- like, I would love to. Thank you. Okay, perfect. So Jeff Kinley's God's Grand Finale. Um, Oh, by the way, I don't know what you guys think, but my backdrop has kind of changed a little bit. So I don't have um, certain things. It was a little cluttery for my brain. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section. That'd be great. Stroke my ego for like two seconds. Okay, so why are we allowed in heaven? A quote from Jeff Kinley's book, God's Grand Finale. Um, Would you pause and reflect for a moment on this glorious and wonderful truth? We who were once depraved, unrighteous, dead in sin, separated from the life of God and condemned to a Christless eternity in hell have now by his grace been saved, forgiven, adopted, brought near, made alive, made righteous and given a hope and eternal home in heaven. That's encouraging news here for the believer. If you're watching live or on post, however, it is not very encouraging news. If you don't know the Lord, because you will have a life separated from God and condemned to a Christless eternity in hell. And I know that hell word is a, don't use that word. It's not a real place, but it is. So as I always say, we are not promised tomorrow. Life is but a vapor. And the only solution to everything that we're seeing today is Jesus. And sooner or later, he's coming back, reigning, ruling with a rod of iron on the throne of David in Jerusalem. Uh, yeah, Israel, that would be Israel guys. And um, I can, I'm looking forward to that. And with that being said, uh, make today the day of salvation because we're not promised tomorrow. So Scott, can you pray us out and then I'll close us out. Father, we, we thank you for this opportunity that we've had uh, to look into these things of your word. Uh, And as Kim just mentioned, if you are here tonight uh, listening to this message and you are without Christ, you are without hope, and you are without eternal life. That's the bad news. The good news is that God in his grace provided a way for you to be reconciled through a simple act of faith, accepting the free gift offer of his payment of sin on the cross. You too can be reconciled to God, be born into the family of God, and have an inheritance that is held eternally secure by Jesus Christ. So if you haven't made that decision, I would encourage you to do that right now. Thank you for this opportunity that we've had to to go into your word. And again, the purpose is to to build up the body of Christ, uh, to help all believers understand uh, how they should be functioning in the time in which we live, uh, understanding the word of God and applying it to their lives. If it's your will, uh, we will come back next week and continue this conversation. Thank you again for this time. Thank you for everybody who has uh, joined us in this in this discussion. Thank you for this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Scott, I'm looking forward to next week. Um, I didn't think we'd get it all done. <laughs> no, I think figured we had no chance, but we tried, you know, and that's that's good. So. Absolutely. So, guys, if you're going to be here next week, please get your questions ready. Um, and Scott will take them through the duration of this. Uh, Sandra, thank you again, as always, for being behind here in StreamYard. You're much appreciated, much loved. 
not only by me, but everybody here in the chat, Carly um, and Jamie. I don't know if Sir Pierce is still here, but I do see Carly and Jamie. Thank you, as always, for all of your hard work and monitoring the chat and keeping people engaged. And for everybody who commented tonight, um, again, whether we see this differently or not, it's not a salvation issue. And I love each and every one of you. Um, as long as we're not going to get into deliverance, we're good. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, th really, I'm not. Uh, then I'll just pray for you. But anyway, listen, we're done for this week. I'm tired. I've been up quite early. I've got to go drive out of town tomorrow. So, uh, Sandra, that means we'll only have like, I don't even know, 50. I can't even keep my eyes open. I'm not going to lie. I wish there was 17 ounces of coffee in this oofta. But uh, I'm I'm tired. So anyway, um. Wow, Jesus is coming, guys. Uh, keep looking up. For those who don't think, I am very excited about the rapture. I just, it can happen today, tomorrow, 10 years from now. We don't know. Um, but keep looking up. Christ is coming for us. And as always, I will see you guys here, there, or are you ready, Sandra? In the air. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you enjoyed the content, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Also head on over to our website, lifeclipspodcast.com to find out more information. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, send us an email at questions at lifeclipspodcast.com. And as I always end it, I will see you here, there, or in the air. Titus chapter 2, verse 13 looking for the blessed hope, and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus.